Well, welcome everybody to our uh, uh, next segment, next podcast of yeah. the end times. We've talked about the wedding imagery of the end times. We've answered some questions, and now we're doing another live. Uh, a live, tell us about it, what we're doing. We're here. doing a live podcast here with the Blessed Ford families. We want to thank you guys for joining on. And our heart behind this is, like we've talked about, bringing people into the conversation, bringing them into the table, and, you know, just hearing their questions and what's going on in their minds. You know, there's so much to be answered and so much to be talked about. Yeah, the there's a lot of questions. There's a lot going on in the world today. Yeah. And when we read things like Matthew chapters 24 and 25 and the book of Revelation, it starts getting the mind going, oh yeah. my gosh, what's actually really going on in the world? And yeah. are we in the end times and are we seeing biblical things happen right now? Yeah. And you know, I, I really want to start off from the place of what you last said, because I, I really feel like that ties in everything mm -hmm. where you were talking about the actual heart. Uh, behind revelations that is the revelation of jesus christ and yeah. what he wants for us as the bride and so can you bring us into that place of what you talked about in, in you know about holiness yeah in our previous prod, uh, podcast <clears throat> we talked at the very end about what revelation is really about and it's about revelation chapter 1 verse 1 which says the revelation of jesus christ that is what revelation is about and then if you want to know what further revelation is about, because people get caught up on the dragon and the ten horns and the bowl judgments and the the trumpet judgments. Exactly and, what I was telling you. <laughs> yeah, all of that stuff. And and where are we and what does it all mean? Mm -hmm. And and we can get into some of that stuff. I'm not going to say that I have every answer for every question, mm -hmm. but I do have quite a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, but. It, the end times really is about the seven letters that Jesus wrote to his church. Yeah. And the, those called for faithfulness, for love, for purity, for perseverance, and to, to not give up uh, in the middle of really difficult times. And so at the end of the day, it's about being holy. The book of Revelation says, blessed are those who keep their garments clean. Mm. Jesus, the book of Ephesians says in chapter five says uh, that he is coming for a bride without spot and without wrinkle. Mm. Keep your garments clean. Entonces, I was about to say it in Spanish. Entonces, well, well it's then. English, that's all right. Yeah, well. Uh, but so if you want to know about what, what really we are to be doing and really how we are to be thinking about these end times, you must, 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 more than anything else, think in terms of holiness. Now, I want to ask a question just to clarify this because I've heard this question before. Hmm. How would you distinguish holiness versus works? Because I think that sometimes we can get it twisted thinking that works are what's going to save us. And, you know, if you're not holy, then you're not saved. How do you, hmm. how do you, how does that meet together? Works do not make one holy. Hmm. Holiness makes one's works valuable. Wow. Say that one more time. <laughs> mm, somebody just missed that. <laughs> um, your works do not make for holiness, but holiness makes your works valuable. You know, I was actually talking with the, somebody actually just this morning about something very similar. I said, people can do the exact same thing and get totally different outcomes. Um, that if you do say, let's just say, uh, we're going to read our Bibles okay, and I get nothing out of it, but Amy gets a ton out of it. Why? Because some people pick up their Bibles and they say, well, I have a quota to fill. Mm -hmm. This is what I should be doing. The to-do list. It is my to-do list. 
But then Amy says, I'm reading my Bible. Forget the checklist. Forget the to-do list. I love Jesus. And I want to know more about Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you please help me understand more of the Bible as I read it right now? Listen, if I come with just the works of to-do list, I'm not, there's nothing that's going to happen. But if Amy reads the Bible just out of her pure love and passion for Jesus, she's going to get a ton out of it. It actually reminds me of the parable of, of the two men who are praying. One of them was a, a priest yeah. saying, oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not a sinner and I, I tithe and I fast and I do all these wonderful things, works, outward works of religiosity that could be construed as holiness. But the guy right next to him wouldn't even lift up his head to heaven and beat on his chest saying, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Both men were praying, were praying. But Jesus said only one of those men was made righteous. Wow. So when we talk about holiness, what are we striving for in that? What, what it, well, let me answer, ask you this, this. What is holiness? Holiness is being set apart from God. For God, I mean, not from God, for God. <laughs> not from God, for God. That's it's a whole other thing. <laughs> it's being set apart. In our last podcast, we talked about the bride. Yeah. And the bride enters into this ter- term of betrothal. And that betrothal is called kedushin in, in Hebrew. And the word for holiness in Hebrew is kodesh. It, in other words, the betrothal period actually has the root word of holiness. Holiness is being set apart for a special work or a special usage. And what's more special than a bride setting herself apart for her husband, keeping herself pure for one and for only one. So if you want to talk about what is holiness, holiness has to do with your heartbeat. Mm. Works have to do with just your hands. And so if, if, if I'm trying to get on God's good side by doing stuff, you're not going to get there. Yeah. There's not there's no amount of good stuff you can do to earn God's favor. It is it, it is by grace we are saved through faith and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God lest anyone boast yeah. about getting them themselves. When we're talking about, you know, end times and we said this that the reality is is that Jesus is coming soon. For this time and now 2021 what does a holiness look like as we're waiting for the groom to come? I want to hear that from you. I want to hear you talk you know, about that. There's so much to that, I think, um, in the sense that there's a lot of ways to stay impure. There's a lot of ways where we can stay away from holiness. I think that all of us know here, especially from social media, um, there's a lot of things around us and surrounding us in the sense of um, wanting us to take um, to move away from God. Yeah. Um, I think even views on how we view the church. Um, I think that there's a lot of different views of uh, the church is this, the church is that, and people now wanting nothing to do with God because that's how they view the church. And it's almost like we're exposed to so much that we're staying away from God. We're staying away from Him, and it's almost like there's this divide between us. And when I'm thinking about holiness, there's something that you said that really caught my attention um, in uh, the last podcast that you talked about the presence of God. If you don't know the presence of God, then you won't enjoy heaven. Yeah. And you also said something else. You know, usually you'll catch me saying things because he says things and it just stays on my mind. <laughs> but you had also talked about um, 
that moving towards closer to God and doing what he wants to do isn't so much because I have to, but it's because of love. And I think that we've almost forgotten the love part in all of this, that I only move because he loves me. Well, that was the first thing Jesus said to the church in Ephesus in, in Revelation chapter two. Yeah. He said, you, he, he said, look, I commend you for a lot of things, but you have fallen away from your first love. Look mm. how far you've fallen back. Yeah. You know, I actually preached on that just a couple of weeks ago. I've been doing a series here at Pathway on um, the seven letters in Revelation. And, you know, in the last podcast, we talked about marriage being the, the, the earthly metaphor for the kind of relationship God wants with us. Yeah. But, you know, I actually, this last Monday, which was February the 1st, 2021, my wife and I just celebrated 18 years of being married. Congrats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're still on our honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's all sugar. Uh, but it's so easy to get caught up in the things of life. Yeah. I mean, we have kids. The kids need to be attended to. We got to take them to school. We got to make their lunch. We got to pick them up. We got to do laundry. We got to do the yard. We got to keep the house clean. We got to mop. We got to do the dishes. We got to make dinner and blah, 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 blah. And the light and, and life just keeps coming at you. Yeah. And it's very easy to uh, start ignoring the romantic part of your marriage. Ignore the the needs and the feelings of the other person why because there's always something else to do and and it's stuff that you need to do mm -hmm. we got to do the laundry or you got no fresh chonies you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know you you've got to make dinner you've got to wash the dishes you, you have to do these things and this is part of married life it's part of regular life yeah but those things can begin to usurp the place of the reason you got married in the first place. Mm. I didn't get married in my, with my wife because she's a good housekeeper. Mm. I didn't, that's not the reason. Yeah. I certainly didn't marry her for her money. <laughs> I married, I would have been, I married you for your $20 bill. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I, I didn't marry her for any reason other than for you. Mm -hmm. I want you. Yeah. And the you is is easy to miss out on because of the stuff of life. So Jesus talks about this church in Ephesus. Yeah. He says, you've done good works. You're faithful and you you preach the word and you found those who have been false. And but you've forgotten about me. You know, as you said that, I was thinking about even how you forgot about the you, that that's kind of the tale of what church was prior to 2020 yeah. um, where we do all these things and really leave Jesus out of it. I'm not saying that that's happened here because I'll tell you this guys, and this isn't just me saying it from the moment I've met Pastor Khan walked in here. One of the things that we've talked about the most is the presence of God mm. and not missing God um, in all that we're doing, but him being the center of every single thing that we do. And as we were, you know, as you were saying that, I started thinking that God really stripped away the stuff in order to get to him. Well, he needed to. He needed to. Oh, yeah. He put the church like in a timeout. And what I, um, I remember maybe a year ago during, you know, before pre-COVID, I remember I preached this message and I said that burnout happens the moment where it starts being about everything else and stops being about the main thing. That's right. And when, we, and when we think about that, it's like when it starts being about everything else, I'm, start, I'm starting to worry about everything else. And when I was, when you were saying that, I was like, this is kind of like, you know, the 10 young women waiting. Mm -hmm. When it starts being about everything else, except for those that were actually prepared and ready 
knowing what they were waiting for. And um, I think the importance in talking about Jesus is coming soon is knowing what we are waiting for, knowing why we are waiting, knowing that this isn't like you said, um, I'm not saved because I want to get to heaven. You know, yes, that's one thing, but I can't wait to be in the presence of Jesus right. and being with him forever. It's that union that really is a driving force of heaven to begin with. Right. And, you know, there could be some people who are watching this later uh, after the post-production or, or you guys who are watching us right now on Instagram live. He's saying, hey, I thought we were going to get to questions. Yeah. Listen, there is no greater thing to talk about the end times than getting yourself ready. We can talk. We uh, Listen, I, I've got answers for a lot of questions. Not every question, but a lot of questions. Yeah. A lot of Bible. I know the Bible really well. But I also know the Bible well enough to know that at the end of the day, the ten horns and the bowl judgments and the trumpet judgments are not as important as you maintaining your heart ready for Jesus. Mm. That's what's most important about yeah. these end times. Yeah. And, you know, the, in the man, maintaining and enduring, I feel like that's where I really need a key in because it's easy to fall away. Yeah. It's easy to say, well, Jesus said he was coming soon. How soon is soon? <laughs> and how much time do I have where I can still be me and not worry about anything else? Um, you know, in or other like, words, like flirt with the line of sin. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, getting right under what you say, the pearly, the pearly gates. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of the panzazo. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just you right. Barely made it in. You slide it under your belly right as the uh, <laughs> gates are closing on you. Yeah. It's like, I made it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not. That's not the goal. No. That's not the reason. And um, I'm going to go ahead and answer some questions right now. Well, here's a good one. Tina's like right on the mark with this one. How do you know that you have a pure heart? How, How do, do you know? know? How do you know you have a pure heart? Do you want to start with that one? Well, honestly, the first verse that comes to mind is those with the pure heart are the ones that are going to see God. Mm. Um, I can't enter into God's presence knowing um, <laughs> I'm not in exactly right standing with him. But that doesn't mean that God turns me away from his presence. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like what we tend to do is when we're not right with God or we know we have something that we're struggling with, we like stray away from his presence when it's we're supposed to lean in more to his presence. Yes. Because um, I'm going to say this. God is not afraid of your mess. God is not afraid of your sin. God is not afraid of your past. God is not afraid of your mistakes. God is not afraid of any of those things. But when we come to him with the real heart, and I think that you've touched on it in the podcast, a repentant heart, God does not turn away yeah. a repentant heart. And understanding that our purity does not come from ourselves, does not come from my good works, but it's because of Jesus. That's exactly right. You know, I'm not stepping into this relationship with God, understanding that um, I am saved or I am here. Or I have access to God because of myself, but it's simply because of Jesus. And when, when we give him the center stage, we understand I have access to God, not because of me, but because of him. Yeah. No, that's 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 a great answer. You are right on the money with it. How do I know how I have a pure heart? You know, um, I think it's also where your heart is inclined towards mm. because people can name the name of Jesus all they want and still with a passion run back into their sin. Mm. And so you can say, well, but I got this this cheap grace from God. 
say, you know, yeah, I messed up and God forgives me. Praise God for that, that he is very forgiving and he's very patient with us. But at the same time, if you're running back into sin with a passion every time, say, ah, I got my I got my clean bill. Now I can go back and get dirty again. Mm. Say you you claim the name of Jesus, but your heart is not inclined towards him. Mm. It's it, how do you know you have a pure heart? Let's put it in in these. Um, uh, uh, let's put it in terms of, of my marriage with my wife. I just mentioned we 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 just uh, for, what am I trying to say? You had 18. The 18, 18 years of marriage. <laughs> I'm thinking in Spanish, que ya cumplimos. You know, we fulfilled 18 years of marriage. Um, but how do I know my heart is inclined towards my wife? Because I love her. Hmm. I want to be with her. I don't want to do things that will offend her or drive her away from me. Hmm. And so you can say, well, yeah, my heart is inclined towards my wife because I don't want to do things that are going to violate that relationship. So your question was, who asked that question? Tina. Tina. Tina, your question was, how do I know I have a pure heart? How much do you love him? Mm. How much do you want to be with him? Yeah. That's, I think that's a good, a good measure, a good question to ask yourself. You know, when, when we go back to that verse of, you know, those that are pure in heart will see God. I always think there has to be a yearning to see him, a yearning to know him. Yeah. And I know that the more I know him, the more that I become pure. Um, it reminds me of um, Isaiah, that upon seeing, you know, his holiness, the first thing he says, you know, woe to me, woe to me, because I am a man of unclean lips. Mm -hmm. And I, I, the closer that we get to God, the more exposed we become in our sin. And the more that we want to do away with our sin, um, as opposed before the light comes to us, sin, we almost become numb to it. And we ignore it. And it's like just like what everybody else is doing. You know, everybody else is living this way or saying this. At least I'm not as bad as that person. Right. You know, at least I'm not doing that. Yeah, I mean, but God's not going to judge you on the on standard of that other person. Else. Yeah. He's going to judge you on the standard. church on Sundays. Yeah. And when we lean in closer to God, we start realizing it has little to do with activity and more to do with the heart that we have for God. Yeah. yeah. So that I hope that answered your question on what purity is. Uh, what was it? What was or the how question? you know? It, yeah. How do you know you have a pure heart? Yeah. And and just to to sum up, yeah. your you know your heart is pure not because you made it pure but because Jesus made it pure. Mm. And so I I would also say a life of daily repentance. Yeah. That, that you, look, neither you nor I are perfect in everything we do or say. No. But that you come before the Lord regularly. Yeah. Saying, God, please forgive me. Purify my heart. You know, before, I've, I've talked about this a few times, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Um, I would say that sometimes I feel like repenting has such a shameful connotation to it because of how it's been done mm. in, in churches. Um, I know that growing up, um, when you, cuando uno se viene a arrepentir or whatever, you're, you're repenting, yeah. you go up before everyone. And the first thing that is cast down on you is judgment. Not even coming from God, but I think just from everybody else. And the fear of they're going to think that I'm up to something. Or right. they're going to think that I'm doing something. And right, they're going right. to sit me down and I'm going to do all of this. And maybe, you know, that's in our heads where if we repent, then that means that we're wrong. But, I, we, you know, the more and more that I've, you know, in this relationship with God that I've had, it's repenting is something we do daily because there's something in us daily that's exposed before him. I mean, that would be the goal. I think yeah. that God exposes more and more things that no longer belong in our lives. 
um, where it's not that repenting should be something that should be celebrated, even though it says in heaven that when, you know, one sinner comes to repentance, there's a celebration in heaven. But understanding that there's things in my life that need to be taken away and God needs to remove in order for me to move closer to him and to become more in the likeness of what he made me to be. Yeah, absolutely. Recognizing that we don't get it right. Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, that's correct. And God is very kind and patient with us. That is correct. Let's see here. Um, I'm going to just go. Okay, let's questions. get to some end times question because yeah. that's, that's what we said we were going to do. Yes. So let's get to it. Okay. Let's do the one that we had seen right here. About the Thessalonians. Thessalonians, yes. Okay, so who do you see who asked here that question? Goes. Uh, Ruth Janet, um, it says, what explanation do we have for 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3? What explanation? Okay, uh, was that Tina? Ruth. Oh, I'm sorry, Ruth Janet. Okay, Ruth, here we go. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, it says this, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Yeah. Okay, so it's talking about the Antichrist. Yeah. Said so don't don't let it the that all of that won't happen until there is a falling away. Hold on, let me I closed my Bible down here. Here, we're back. Unless the rebellion comes first, the man of lawlessness is revealed. So what day is it talking about? It's talking about, well, throughout the Bible, there is a uh, a consistent day. It's the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is the great day of judgment, mm-hmm. the, the, great, the great day of his coming. Yeah. Okay. And it, it's not the rapture. The rapture is different than Jesus' second coming. Okay? okay. There's the rapture. We go to meet with him. We talked about this in the last podcast. We will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb while the tribulation is happening down below. Yeah. We talked about the seven years. Yeah. There's seven years because the Jewish wedding is, is a period of seven, seven days. I believe the seven year, there's going to be a seven year period of the lamb. Well, how do you know it's seven years? Listen, time in heaven is different. All right. <laughs> but the tribulation is seven years. And so it's after that time that Jesus is coming back. This is his second coming. He will be coming with his, not for his bride, but with his bride. Mm-hmm. Okay. So coming, coming for his bride is the rapture. Coming with his bride is, is his second coming. That's the day. He said, but that day is not going to happen unless this whole, the whole antichrist scenario happens. There's going to be rebellion against God, which we're, we're watching that right now. Um, um, but then there's going to be an absolute rebellion of God that's going to trigger the, the, the great tribulation, yeah. which I believe those of us who are part of the bride of Christ who will be raptured will not be part of that. But I do, and this this is actually somebody else's question. What's going to be going on with the, the yes. saints during the tribulation? Now, this is what I believe. I believe that um, that those of us who are ready to go at the rapture, we will be going home with Jesus. We will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb, but that there will be those who remain behind because they weren't ready. Their garments were not clean. They were not living in holiness, or they kind of liked God, but didn't, they were, they were straddling the fence and they're say lukewarm. They were lukewarm. They were not saved and they will realize that they missed the rapture and they will fall on their face and repent before God. And I believe that God is so gracious, kind and merciful that he will still allow people to repent. Hmm. 
It even says that during the during in, in the book of Revelation, when it talks about all of the great, terrible judgments yeah. that people will be calling for mountains to fall on them and hide me from the face of the one who sits uh, who sits on the throne and of the lamb and all that stuff. And and for all the judgments, it says, and still people didn't repent. Hmm. So when the judgment's falling, you got to remember, judgment is always for the purpose of people repenting. Yeah. And so he says, so, so all these terrible judgments are falling and it says, and still people don't repent. Now, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that um, during the tribulation, you know, saints will be martyred and, and, and be killed for their testimony of Jesus. Now, if the rapture's already happened, but in the great tribulation, there's saints there. Well, what is that? I believe the raptured church is the bride of Christ, but God will still allow people to be saved. There will still be a chance for repentance. And I believe many will come to know Jesus during that time, and they will pay a terrible price for following Jesus. Hmm. Even Jesus said that time will, there will be uh, no tribulation so terrible has come upon the earth or will ever come again. Um, and so there are saints... Those saints, so if we're the bride of Christ already been raptured, but those saints are down there, are they the bride of Christ too? Or did they miss it? And are they another faction of saints? That's very interesting. That's a very interesting question. Yeah. Uh, they may not be the bride of Christ, but still be saints. Hmm. Um, they might have a different place in heaven, uh, a different role in heaven. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a little bit of conjecture, but we'll, I guess we'll see when we get there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but as far as the second Thessalonians. Two, oh three, yeah. Yeah. So what, how does that all play in with, um, I think that you were talking about the man of lawlessness. Yeah. That I, I, the Bible, uh, the book of Thessalonians also says that, um, the man of lawlessness or the man of sin cannot be revealed until that which restrains is taken away. Now that's a little bit uh, ambiguous. Mm -hmm. What what is that which restrains? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it the Church? My personal opinion is it is the Church that restrains the full unleashing of wickedness on this world. Yeah, that it is through our intercession, our spiritual warfare, our prayer. Our presence, our worship, um, our, inv our inviting the presence of the Lord. Even Jesus says, I've given you the keys to the kingdom, mm -hmm. that what you bind on earth is bound in heaven and what you loose on earth is loose in heaven. Romans chapter 16 says the God of peace will crush Satan underneath your feet, mm -hmm. meaning the feet of his saints, the, the feet of the church. Yeah. And so in my opinion, that which restrains the, the coming of the full man of sin, the, the coming of the tribulation, the coming of the full judgments of God, the coming of just absolute rampant, unchecked wickedness, mm -hmm. that which restrains, I believe, is the church of Jesus Christ. You no longer have the church that they've been raptured out. They, yeah. they are not interceding. They're not crushing Satan underneath their feet. They're not proclaiming the kingdom. They're not preaching. They're not interceding. They're not doing spiritual warfare. Yeah. Therefore, wickedness is unchecked. That's something, now they talk about spiritual warfare. What is the church's active role in that? I, I mean, you know, what is it as we unfold it? And you're talking about, and I also want you to 
key into this. I know you said it last time, but it has so much to do with this, which I feel will really do a lot with it. You even gave the example of uh, Noah and then, mm-hmm. you know, God's hand shutting the door. Yeah. Can you tie those pieces together for us? Between. Well, if you can give us the Noah, you know, what you said with that, that that's why you feel that, you know, the you know full wrath hasn't come yet or the right. son of man. And then um, the second part to that, which was I forgot what I the spiritual, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the spiritual, spiritual warfare. warfare. Well, the spiritual warfare is, well, you can read about it in Ephesians 6. There's actually tons and tons and tons of verses on spiritual warfare. But dressing yourself in the armor of God, withstanding in the evil day. Yeah. Remember, that that's another verse that would actually go for um, that when that which is restrained is moved. We're, we're to dress ourselves in the armor of God. Yeah. And we are to stand and resist the the devil. And so when that which resists or restrains is removed, you know, when you pull the troops out, then the enemy troops can advance unchecked and unchallenged. And so how does that tie in with with what Jesus says is in the days of Noah and the days of Lot? Well, both of those men were uh, about to experience terrible judgment from the Lord, or at least their culture. Um, Noah, the whole world and, and, and Lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, utter depravity in both of those situations. And Jesus says the end times will be like those two times. Judgment was about to fall on utter depravity. But what happened with both of those men was very similar. They were both taken away. Hmm. Both of those were preachers of righteousness. They were doers of righteousness. And and, And God basically, he shut Noah in the ark, basically saying, I cannot flood the world until I have put you in safety. Same thing he said to Lot, the two angels that came to call down the judgment of God. He said, we cannot do it until you are taken out and taken into safety. Mm. And the same thing would be true of us as well, that we, that, that God is going to resist the full, full throttle wickedness and the full throttle judgment until his people are taken out and taken to safety. Wow. Okay. So I hope that help with, um, Okay dress ourselves how how do we dress ourselves are you talking about holiness um and so if you can clarify that one that would be great wait who says this um this was his name is i eat too much pasta <laughs> <laughs> hey then yes almost those it makes two of us yeah. so i'm sorry tell me the question again his question was how do we dress ourselves and i think he's talking about um holiness if i'm not mistaken yeah well actually that's a really interesting study in the bible because there's a lot of things to dress ourselves with the very first thing that we're dressed with or that that the bible talks about being dressed with is the um is adam and eve in the garden Mm. the moment they fell into sin they were something of god's glory uncovered them and they because back in chapter two they were naked and unashamed chapter three they're still naked yeah. They then eat of the fruit and they are, they have violated God's terms. And then it says they realized they were naked and now they were not unashamed. They were naked and ashamed. Mm-hmm. So something of God's presence was withdrawn from them. And the first thing that they wanted to do wasn't repent, wasn't go find God, wasn't to break down and weep. It was, I need to cover myself. Yeah. And so they start trying to cover themselves with fig leaves and and 
fig leaf is not a good covering. One stiff breeze and <laughs> and you can go, you can see everything again. And so what does God do? After, after he pronounces the curse of sin and death upon the serpent, the woman, the man, and the earth, it says that God covered them with animal skins. Where do you get animal skins from? Kill them, sacrifice. That's right. Is the first sacrifice. Yeah. And so the first thing that we're covered with is the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood mm-hmm. of Jesus. That's the first thing. The Bible talks about um, put on the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Mm. Put on the garment garments of praise. It talks about robes of righteousness. Mm. Uh, it talks about the armor of God. In the book of Romans, it doesn't. It talks about the armor of light, the armor of God, the armor of light, the robes of righteousness, the spirit of praise, and the covering of Jesus. That all of those things we're told we can dress in. Wow, I'm almost done by that one. I just need to take a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go right here, guys. Let's. Ooh. So we have another questioner here, Pastor Kyle, having to do with the end times. Uh, what does the Bible mean when it says all former things will pass away? Does that mean that we're going to forget things or our struggles and stuff like that? Uh, I think I think it means that <clears throat> all former things, meaning, well, the Bible does say that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Bible also says that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And so maybe it means the things of the former creation, the things of the old creation that have been touched by sin and death. Um, And so, well, are we going to forget everything Um, when we get to heaven? Are we going to forget, you know, our loved ones? Are we going to forget all of our pain and all of our suffering? Um, The answer is no. Um, Well, I thought there's no pain and suffering in heaven. Listen, I think things are going to be so spectacularly marvelous in heaven that you will remember the story of God's grace and salvation on your life. I think the memories that you have will not be painful, but I think you will be able to see them from heaven's perspective. Mm. And I think that's going to change the way you look at it. That in this moment when you're on earth, we ask the question all the time, God, where are you? God, if you're so good, why did you let this happen? Why didn't you step in and save me there? Why did you let that person do that to me? And blah, 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 blah. And and a lot of it is, I wish I had a great answer for you. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, God, if you're so good and you're so powerful, why don't you just snap your fingers and change everything? Well, part of that answer is that we have free will. And God does not interfere with our free will, but he works to redeem the situation. And I think if we could peel back the physical part of this world and we could see our life story from heaven's perspective, we would see how many times God did step in, Mm. how many times he saved our life, how many things he saved us from. Things we didn't even know about. Things we had no idea of. And then things that did happen because of other people's choices and that he walked us through. And so I think when we see things from heaven's perspective, it's going to give us a greater appreciation for how much God is there and how much he loves us. And so I think when we're in heaven, listen, uh, yes, you're going to know who your kids are or your mama, your dad. You will know them. 
your relationship will be different though. <clears throat> when, when uh, my dad has been in heaven now for 17 years, he died when I was 22 years old. And, um, and the Lord has showed me some things about that. When Jesus said, um, don't call anyone on earth your father because we all have one father. Don't call anyone on earth your teacher because we have one teacher who is the Christ, right? The Lord showed me some things about heaven, showed me some things about uh, when, when we live, when we move from earth to live in heaven, that it, it's just, I, I don't know how to describe it better than this, but I just, I understood so clearly what that verse means. Don't call anyone on earth your father. It's like, well, but I mean, why not? I mean, he was my dad. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else am I supposed to call him? Hey, you with the glasses or what? <laughs> or what? That's what they're going to call you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but when we get to heaven, it's like, I know who you are and you know who I am. But in heaven, it's, you're not my dad. Mm. And, and, and. It, there was a moment where, where the Lord gave me such a revelation about this. It's like, I understand. I love you and I know you, but you are my brother in Christ, even though you are my father mm. on earth. Yeah. Because in heaven, it, it, it becomes so much more clear. Wow, God really is our father. Mm-hmm. God doesn't have grandkids or great-grandkids. Whether it's my father or my grandfather or my great-grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, we are all his children the same. And I will know who my father is. I do know who my father is. And he knows that I'm his son. Mm -hmm. But when you step on the other side of eternity, the relationship changes. It's and it's same with marriage. Yeah, I I, I will know who my wife is and my wife will know who I am. And we will know of our relationship on earth. But Jesus said that the relationship changes. Mm -hmm. There will be no more marrying or giving in marriage because, well, according to our other podcast, Mm -hmm. Who are we married to now? Yeah. We're married to Jesus. We're the bride of Christ. And the relationship changes. So you would say there's things that are revealed in heaven, which we can only know when we get to heaven. So um, that is something um, that I've even had to deal with. Because, you know, people have heard of, you know, even with what you touched on that, you know, why did God allow certain things to happen? Why does God allow this? You know, why does God allow homelessness? Why does God allow hunger? Um, I think that there's just so many questions that can only be answered with heaven's perspective on things yeah, and not um, our human You know, it's, you know, the thing with uh, homelessness or hunger, it's like, uh, or even things that bad things that happen in your life, yeah. things that have happened when you were a kid or, or, you know, some people have lived through horrifically terrible things. Yeah. Um, and they say, why did you allow that God? And you say, and, and God says, I allowed. Mm-hmm. Or did other people allow? Or did, or did in some instance, did you allow? You know, I think it's it's really easy for us to do things. And well, let's just put it in a in simplistic term. Get behind the wheel of a car and you just press the accelerator down and and you put a blindfold on and you just, you know, Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> you know? And all of a sudden you you crash the car. 
and and you become an invalid or you uh, destroy somebody else's life too. You could be laying in the hospital and say, God, why did you allow this? Mm. And God says, I allowed no such thing. You allowed it. You did that. God, why did you allow sin in our world? And God says, I allowed sin? Or did the person that I put in charge of the world allow it in? Because mm. that's, a, that's a, a, an understanding that a lot of people don't fully grasp. That in Genesis 1.26, Jesus said, uh, no, Jesus said, Jesus mm. wasn't on the earth yet. God mm. said, let, let us make them in our image and in our likeness and let, that, listen very carefully, let them have dominion over the earth. Let them have dominion. In other words, God created all things, but he gave us the legal authority to steward those things. Mm. Okay? Psalm 115, 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he gave to humanity. So this is our realm of responsibility, and, the, and Satan creeps in. And he begins to tempt them. Now, back to Genesis 126. Let them have dominion over beasts of the field, bird of the air, fishes, fish of the sea, and everything that creeps along the ground. So when the snake comes into the garden and starts tempting, mm. who had the authority at that moment? Adam and Eve. Both the man and the woman could have looked at the snake and said, get out of here. And the snake would have immediately obeyed it, oh, obeyed them. Wow. But they didn't use that authority. They had dominion over all things. And when they violated God's uh, command to them, they submitted themselves along with all of their dominion, the legal authority and right to Satan, and they became slaves to sin. That's why in the book of 1 John, it says that the, the devil has sway over the world. That's why when the devil talked to Jesus and tempted him and says, I can give the nations to whoever I want because they're mine to give, basically. And Jesus didn't argue with him. Jesus didn't say, no, no, the, the nations belong to the Lord. No, he said, they're mine to give to whomever, whoever I choose. Jesus didn't argue with him. Because he knew that humanity had given. So it's like, well, well, okay, so, well, God, why did you allow sin? And God says, I did what now? Mm -hmm. He said, I gave you the earth, and this is what you did to it. This is what you allowed in. This was not my plan. This was your, this was your fault. And so how many things can we go back to in our own lives? And, and we can... We can always, listen, it's always somebody else's fault, right? Yeah. It's always, well, if, if that person didn't do this and that person didn't say this and that person didn't stab me in the back and it's always them, 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 them. A blame game. At what point do you have to look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know, I have a big role to play in this. Mm. I remember when I was about in the fifth grade, um, I was having trouble with my teachers, both in Sunday school and at school. I was having trouble with my friends and it was, of course, everybody else's fault. I'm, I am the hero of my story. Mm -hmm. And I remember my dad sat down with me and he said, he goes, hey, Kyle, so, um, so your friends have a problem with you, right? Yeah, they're all jerks. 
Your teachers have a problem with you, right? Yeah, they're all jerks. Your Sunday school teachers have a problem with you. Yeah, they're all jerks. He said, do they all, do, do the teachers have problems with your other friends? No. Or is it just with you? Well, it's me. And he says, Kyle, let me give you a reality check. I'm, I'm like 10 years old or 11 years old. And he says, they have problems with you. They have problems with you. They have problems with you. Kyle, who is the common denominator? And I remember as a kid thinking, oh, snap, it's me. And he's like, yeah, it's you. It's not them. It's you. You are the problem. Just a knife in the heart, but it was true. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of us say it's too, it's too easy to say, well, God, you're all powerful. Well, God, you're good. And God says, yeah, and you're not a robot either. Mm-hmm. I gave you free will. And a lot of our decisions mess thing, messes things up. That's where God meets us in our decisions. And he works a redemption process through them. And what is the redemption process? What came out in my mind when you were speaking of that they had that dominion over the snake. So that means now we have dominion over sin, right? We yeah. have that power to say no. And, he, and I, the first thing that came to mind was when Jesus says all authority, you know, has been given to mm-hmm. me and we will do even greater works than, than him. How do we now walk in that of saying no to sin and then realizing we do have dominion over those things uh very soon uh, for the i'm talking to those who are on live right now but to those who are watching this sometime later this is what february 4th today i think it's february 4th mm-hmm. so if you're watching later than february 4th we are getting a website up called pwh.tv and that's going to be our pathway home website your church. We, this is part of a church that we are launching, an online church, and we want you to be part of it. But path, pwh.tv, I have, a, um, I have a video that explains that. Mm. Remind me of the question again. The dominion over sin. <laughs> oh, dominion yeah. over sin, yeah. yeah. And that um, it's the process of God's holiness and sanctification in us. Sanctification is just a fancy word for saying God's fixing things in you. <laughs> he's, 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 putting, uh, he's putting broken things right. So this is one of my favorite uh, analogies to use. Imagine that you broke your leg and you went to the doctor's office. The doctor resets the bone and he puts your leg in a cast. Okay, that is the picture of salvation. He is saving us. He fixes us. He, and now, but we're in a cast. But would you leave the doctor's office running and jumping? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. You have a process of healing to go through as well. So our hearts are dirtied by sin. We're contaminated with all kinds of corruption. We are broken in the ways we speak, the way we think, the way we act, the way we treat other people. That just because you accept Jesus as your Lord does not mean that goes away that fast. Yeah. It does not. And so we get, we get saved. We ask Jesus to come into our heart and there is an instantaneous thing that happens. We are cleansed of our sins. We are forgiven. We are given a new life. We are taken out of death and brought into life. Okay. But there is a continued problem. We're still broken in the way we think. 
We're broken in the way we speak and act and treat one another. And so now the salvation of Jesus is both an instantaneous transaction where you are you receive forgiveness, boom, that fast. But now salvation becomes a process that God is beginning to to fix the broken ways of thinking and the broken ways of being and the brokenness that was done to us that causes us anger and hatred and violence and cursing and corruption and um, all types of sin and filth that we are forgiven from, but the brokenness is still in us. Mm. You know, it, it, it was um, God saved Israel out of Egypt. Uh, and it took only maybe a couple weeks or a few weeks for all of those miraculous signs. And so in a few weeks, boom, they are delivered from over 400 years of slavery. But then God takes them through the desert for 40 years. You see, it only took a few weeks to get them out of Egypt. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Mm. Wow. And that is the picture of every one of our lives. That we are saved in an instant. But it takes a long time to work the effects of sin out of us. So when people say, well, if God's so good, why did all these bad things happen? Well, maybe you ought to look to the brokenness in your own life and the lives of people around you first. Wow. And I, I, you know, as we're leaning into that, that there is, I think, you know, one thing I constantly say is in order to have a savior, you need to recognize you need to be saved from something. Yeah. And until that realization comes that we are sinners, that we do have problems, um, that there's things in this that still need to be fixed, even though this world will tell us, you're good just the way that you are. You're perfect just the way that you are. Reality check, you're not. We're not. You know, <laughs> there's not one that is good. And that needs to hit us before we can truly recognize Jesus for who he is. And as we're wrapping this up, um, I think it's important to say that, yes, Jesus is coming soon. But we need to recognize Jesus so we can also be saved from yes. ourselves, from our sins and uh, go into heaven and not looking for the, you know, like uh, I think one time you even said this, that so many people will be content uh, with the heaven without God being there. Yeah. And the true contentment is that we're going to be with him for all of eternity. Heaven doesn't exist without, without God. Yeah. You know, even with the whole thing of, of recognizing the brokenness in you and, and continuing that work, we need to be saved. And, and a common misconception of the human nature in our culture today is that people are basically good, mm-hmm. that, that our basic nature is good. And the Bible says precisely the opposite. And you alluded to that scripture in, in Romans. Yeah. No one does good. There is none who do righteous. No, not one. Yeah. And our Human nature is not basically good. It is basically corrupted. And I want you to think of this. Think of an apple that's been corrupted. Corrupted meaning it got a bruise on it, and then that bruise starts to, it, it gets brown and nasty and starts the process of putrefying and rotting the apple. That's corruption. Yeah. There is, listen to me very carefully, there is no reversal for corruption. You can put the apple in the refrigerator and you can slow it down. But there is no reversal for corruption. The only way to deal with corruption 
is to get a whole new life. Mm. That is the only way to deal with it. Yeah. So Amy, I'm going to throw this back yeah. to you. How do we get rid of the corrupted old life and get yeah. the new one? You know, as you said that, that, you know, that there is a whole new life. One, I want you to know that there is a whole new life that is available for you. And maybe you've never thought that. Maybe you've never believed that. Maybe you've thought, you know, God is done with me. Um, the one common theme I'm seeing in this, in this podcast is that God is not finished with you. He's not finished with you yet. And even as he spoke about Adam and Eve, there was a sacrifice that happened. And there is a sacrifice that happened for you. And that is that Jesus died for you on that cross and that there's a new life that is available for you today. And if you're watching this here live or you're hearing this podcast or watching this later, I want you to know that Jesus has already paid the price for you and that you today can receive this salvation that has been made available for you. And if you in this moment here watching want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and repent and ask God for forgiveness for your sins, I want you to know that this is available and all I want you to do right now is type in me. And if you're hearing this, I want you to say this prayer with me. And if you're hearing this, I just just want you to pray this. Jesus, today, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I know that you came, that you died for me, and that you rose again. So I ask that you would forgive me of all of my sins. I ask that you would come and cleanse my heart, purify my heart, come into my heart so I can have a relationship with you. I pray this right now in Jesus' name, and we say amen. And so if you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to know something, that you have been completely forgiven, that you have been made new, and that today salvation has come into your life. Pastor Kyle, do you want to say anything to anybody that just prayed that prayer? Because we have a few people here that just did. Yeah, um, you know, you can contact us. You can contact our church directly. Go to pathwaysfv.com, and you can. Uh, and there's a way to contact. Just hit the contact tab and and say, hey, pastor, that email will get to me, and say, Pastor Kyle, I just received uh, Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and we want to, we want to follow up with you. We don't want this to be just a podcast. We want this to be part of your church, your spiritual life. We want to have a relationship with you, not just the relationship of say, oh, I know your Instagram handle name. <laughs> yeah. We we you we know you are a real person. You are more than just your Instagram handle, and we want to um, we want to do that. Um, or you can just email us straight at info at pathwaysfv.com. Also, uh, for, for PWH, which is still in the process of getting uh, up and ready to go, but by the time this, this podcast actually drops on all the things, it'll be up and ready to go. You can text us at the number at the bottom of this screen. Just say saved. Just text yeah. the word saved to the number that's appearing right now, or you can go to pwh.tv and you can contact us there as well. Awesome, guys. So make sure that um, you contact us. Is this podcast going to be on Instagram every time? Yes. I don't see why not. Yes. Um, So thank you guys. It needs to be. Yes, it needs to be. So thank you guys so much for joining in, and we will see you guys soon. Yes, pathwaysfv.com. Thank you so much for I Eat Too Much Pasta. I love their names. (laughs) Um, But we will see you guys soon. God bless. God bless you guys.